the Connell Tribune, Thursday, 20th of February, 2019. Sectarian chanting is disgusting and illegal. Scotland is a beautiful country, from the borders of England to the Outer Hebrides, Edinburgh to Glasgow, the Isle of Butte to John O'Groats, Abbey Moor to Stornoway, Ben Nevis and the Mullican Tower. With the Loch Ness Monster, William Wallace, Robert the Bruce, Big Shipyards in the Clyde, Glenfiddich and the famous Grouse, Carnoustie, St Andrews, Turnbury and Troon, Hampden Park and Murrayfield. The place is full of history and has a massive connection with Ireland. Dalreda, the ancient Gaelic Kingdom, which comprised parts of the west of Scotland and across the North Channel, the Antrim and Down. Even the name Scotia derived from the Latin name for Gaelic Ireland, along with Hibernia. Indeed, at one stage, Ireland was referred to as Scotia Major and Scotland as Scotia Minor. But then, from around the late Middle Ages, it became more defined as the term for the greater northern area of Britain. Thus, Scotland, whether the brave or not, was defined by Bannockburn and Culloden. The connection with Ireland, of course, became entangled with the plantation of Ulster by Scottish and English settlers, with the Scots mostly taking up residence in the nine counties of Ulster. The plantation was a disaster for Ireland from day one, as the planters brought a different language and religion from the majority of the natives and created a division in society which has lasted right up to the present day. The majority in Ireland were Catholic and native speakers were those planted in the northeast, were Protestant, and while not all, most were English speakers. There was a percentage of Gaelic speakers from the Highlands, which probably explains a modern phenomenon of an Ulster Scots dialect. Indeed, if we look at the triangle roughly between Lifford, Raffoe, Manor and Burt, there were 13 families planted by Mary, Queen of Scots, from the central belt in Scotland. They can trace their roots right up to the present day and have a certain dialect which is entirely different from anywhere else in Donegal. The plantation of Ulster ultimately became the deciding factor in the partition of Ireland after the War of Independence. The plantation had left the Ulster counties with massive Protestant constituencies, majorities in Andrum and Down, 50-50 in Armagh, Derry, Fermanagh and Tyrone, and also great numbers in Donegal, Cavan and Monaghan, though they were jettisoned into the new Free State to leave a built-in artificial majority in the northern statelet. Whatever it was, it wasn't democracy. Before partition during the 19th century, the massive effects of the famine led to thousands of Donegal people who survived the hunger pangs to migrate to Scotland. Mostly poor, Catholic, landless, uneducated, they poured into Strathclyde and the west of Scotland in general, mostly to the greater Glasgow area, but also to Edinburgh, Ayrshire and the Highlands. But it was in Glasgow that the arrival of so many Irish immigrants led to problems which have blighted Scottish society for nearly 200 years. And in the past week, the sectarianism, which is always compounded by anti-Irish xenophobic bigotry, has reared its ugly head once again. Scotland's a Protestant country, probably the most extreme after the Reformation in 1520s. Despite Martin Luther himself, a Catholic priest, looking reform of the church rather than a split after he nailed his 95 thesis to the church door. The Reformation took hold and divided the two religions for the past 500 years. Jean Calvin in Switzerland took his extremist Protestantism 
to a higher level. And then in Scotland, John Knox took things to an even greater level of fundamentalism, denouncing the Virgin Mary and calling the Pope an Antichrist. Knox was a forerunner to the Reverend Ian Paisley in the modern era. The activities of Knox and others led to Scotland becoming a Calvinist haven, much more extreme than down in England. When the native Catholic Irish famine people started arriving in the 1850s, the Irish, mostly Donegal people, were seen much the same as migrants from Africa and Eastern Europe are today, and they befell the same discrimination and abuse, violence and poverty. Scotland became a nation of over 5 million. The massive majority, something like 5 to 1, were of the Protestant faith, although in the city of Glasgow it was more like 2 to 1. This has been the permanent domicile of the majority of the Donegal Irish. The reason I'm writing this is an introduction to the whole history of sectarianism, which has bedeviled Scottish society since the 1850s. And this week it hit the headlines once more for all the wrong reasons. Everyone knows the history of Rangers and Celtic. One looks at the mantle of one look took on the mantle of representing the establishment as the club of the native Scots Protestants, the other representing the minority Irish community. The twentieth century in Scotland provided the building of big ships in the Clyde, but also heralded religious sectarian bigotry not witnessed anywhere else except in Belfast. The lagging in the Clyde may have provided the structure for shipbuilding but both Belfast and Glasgow also provided the source of bigotry against a fellow human being because of their religion. I was born in it, as they say up to my knees in it, to paraphrase the orange lils who followed the parade on the 12th every year. It was a quirk of fate that led to my youth spent in Belfast, although it could easily have been Glasgow if my mum had followed her sisters, the Clyde said. Religion was always an issue, been told as a nine-year-old, to fuck off, you Fenian bastard. Attacked down the city centre and at Windsor by Linfield fans to run on the gauntlet of loyalist paramilitaries during the early 70s who killed friends by bombs and bullets. The scourge of sectarian bigotry manifested itself in a manner that was a disgusting example of blind hatred, and the same hatred was felt in Glasgow, albeit usually through following the two Glasgow rivals. I was lucky in a sense that country parents who this ugly religious bigotry was an alien concept. But like everyone born in Belfast or Glasgow, the religious nonsense is in your DNA and you have to work hard at it to get it out of your system. The reality, of course, is that you could have grown up in Belfast and never met anyone from the other religion. Separate schools, separate housing estates, separate workforces, separate pubs separate sports, rugby or Gaelic, separate lives, a gerrymandered, squalid statelet had used sectarianism to preserve the status quo. But you had to rise above it. I felt an empathy for young loyalist youths that were brought up with the history of the Reformation and the Battle of the Boyne, Empire and Colonialism. Religious bigotry was a second nature to them. Fenians were the enemy, tricolours on top of the bonfires and an effigy of the Pope. They were immersed in it. The orange walk on the 12th was their Mardi Gras. Whereas we grew up in a tradition of republicanism and rebellion against the state, from Wolf Tone, Nabertandi and Henry Joy, all Protestants by the way, on the Cave Hill in 1798, proclaiming freedom and substituting the religious differences for the common name of Irishman. To James Connolly spreading the unity of the working class, 
between Catholic and Protestant in the early years of the 20th century. To meet in working class loyalists in Long Cash in the 70s and understand that bigotry was a tool used by the foreign government to divide us for centuries. But the mindset was different. We didn't do empire, serve neither king or kaiser and certainly didn't embrace sectarianism. Sectarianism in Glasgow matched Belfast, but it's always been a hidden subject among the chattering classes around Bear's Den who could use the excuse of football hooliganism as a cover for a blatantly sectarian society. Even today, the existence of the Irish community in Scotland is denied. The largest ethnic group in the country are non-existent, according to the Scottish Parliament. Over the years, they have resented the flying of the Irish tricoloured parkhead and even tried to put Celtic out of football when they refused to take it down in the 1950s. There's always been major differences to the situation by the respective clubs. Rangers for decades throughout the 20th century never played a Catholic player, where Celtic always embraced any player good enough, with some of their greatest players like Danny McGrain and Kenny Dalglish, and the great manager Jock Stein, all non-Catholic. So that's the scenario Scottish society found itself in last week when the shit hit the fan regarding the whole sorry sectarian bigotry which still permeates that society in the 21st century. Kilmarnock were playing Rangers in a Scottish Cup tie. Their manager Steve Clark is a, Gla- is a Glasgow Catholic who spent most of his career in England until returning recently. A manager of some class and repute in the game I'm sure the last thing he expected to be talking about at a post-match press conference was himself and his religion, and not his team's fairly woeful performance at Ibrox. Nearing the end of the game, which Kilmarnock lost 5-0, the Ibrox faithful started chanting, Stevie Clark's Athenian bastard. The obscene observation about his dubious links to the dynamators of the IRB in the 1860s, or his perceived entry into the world, reverberated around the crowd of 50,000. The loyalist sons of Ulster and the Govan Billy Boys appeared to find it quite amusing, but not Steve Clark. It must be said at times Celtic fans question the parentage of Rangers players and managers, and indeed when Graham Souness was manager, an appendage on his body which rhymed with his surname could be heard on the terraces at Parkhead. <coughs> But it wasn't the usual football banter that Clark was bringing to the public attention. It was the presence of sectarian bigotry. He compared his time at Chelsea and how his wife and family enjoyed it out with the Celtic Rangers goldfish bowl. He also condemned Celtic fans who gave a striker ex-Ranger Chris Boyd similar views the previous week and recognised that while there were no religious stuff in London, Chelsea had a major problem in the 80s with anti-black racism and in the present day with anti-Semitism. But the level of abuse he received was way above anything he'd ever experienced before. And remember, he's the Kilmarnock manager, not Celtic. And before Stevie Gerrard became Rangers manager, the job apparently was offered to Steve Clark. To compound managers, Rangers fan had a banner at the next game, sarcastically sending a message to Clark. Get well soon, Stevie. Unrepenting bigots. The only reason Clark was abused was he was a West of, Catholic, West of Scotland Catholic. Both Kilmarnock and Rangers condemned the sectarian bail directed at Clark, and Stephen Gerrard made an impassioned plea to their fans to cut it out. 
Chris Sutton, the former Celtic player, had said that when he played in his first Celtic Rangers game, he asked to ask someone what was a Fenian bastard after he scored two goals in a 6-2 victory and him possibly an atheist English guy who couldn't care if King Billy was a Catholic. Brendan Rogers then revealed that the first week he was in Glasgow after taking the Celtic job, he went for a stroll near his home and the first thing he seen and heard was an orange band marching towards him and he hid in the shop till they passed by. He said that emotions he hadn't felt since he left the North 20 years earlier came back to him. The experiences of Neil Lennon during his time as a Celtic player manager are the worst examples of sectarian and anti-Irish bigotry and the most dangers ever seen in a society that makes a habit of making the Crusades appear like a gospel reunion. Lennon had played most of his football in England and never had a problem, but once he became a Celtic player, captain and manager, he was targeted by the Rangers and Linfield bigots at Ibrox and Windsor. Death threats were made to him and his family. He was physically attacked on the field and the streets, and graffiti painted threatening him while playing for both Celtic and the North. As captain of the North, he was subjected to abuse by his own fans just because he played for Scotland. While in Scotland, he was abused by the Rangers crowd because he was an Irish Catholic ex-GA man from North Armagh. He received bullets and a bomb in the post, and all the while the Scottish media covered it up by blaming the fiery red-haired Irishmen for his woes. Celtic and Rangers were voted recently in an online poll as the second biggest sporting spectacle in the world. Atmospheric, passionate, tense, intriguing, threatening, divisive, native Scots and Irish migrants, a microcosm of society, but it also presents a discourse that is unacceptable in the modern world. But it's society's problem. Sectarianism needs to be addressed and not by what about right? Celtic fans singing songs about the famine and fields around Athenry is not the same as Rangers fan lamenting that the famine is over, why don't you go home, or up to their preferable knees in Fenian blood. Sectarian chanting is disgusting, unacceptable and illegal.